Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. In Utah, we often have occasion to talk about polygamy, but it's more rare to be able to talk with people who practice it. And today on the program, we'll talk with members of the Centennial Park community near the Arizona-Utah border. They're being featured on National Geographic Channel's Polygamy USA series. One of those episodes airs tonight. And they recently recorded their stories when UPR hosted StoryCorps in St. George. You can listen to those StoryCorps episodes Thursdays and Fridays starting in July. We'll ask the members of the Centennial Park uh, community why they practice polygamy. What is everyday life like in Centennial Park? What do they think of other polygamous groups like the FLDS? Is their community oppressive to women and a drain on welfare resources, as some think about polygamous groups? What about underage and forced marriages? And do they fear prosecution? Many questions, members of the Centennial Park community on Access Utah today. Support for Access Utah comes from Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Open Monday through Saturday until 2 with a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. In Utah, of course, we often have occasion to talk about polygamy. It's more unusual to be able to talk with people who practice it. Today on the program, we're going to be talking with members of the Centennial Park community. Centennial Park is near the Arizona-Utah border, uh, and members of that community are being featured on National Geographic Channel's Polygamy USA series. You may have caught a couple of those episodes. There's an episode airing tonight, I believe, and it's ongoing. And they recently recorded their stories when UPR hosted StoryCorps in St. George. You can listen for those Utah StoryCorps episodes on Thursdays and Fridays starting in July. We're going to ask Centennial Park community members why they practice polygamy. What is everyday life like in Centennial Park? What do they think of other polygamous groups like the FLDS? Uh, charges against the community, uh, have them rebut those. Is community oppressive to women and a drain on welfare resources, as some think about many polygamous groups? What about underage and forced marriages? And since polygamy is still illegal in Arizona, do they fear prosecution? We'll hear that several members of the community are part of the Centennial Park Action Committee and uh, want that uh, law uh, outlawing polygamy to be overturned. Uh, so we uh, welcome in... Uh, four members of the community. Uh, Marlene Hammond uh, says she was an infant during the 1953 raid on the polygamous community in Short Creek, Arizona. And uh, she is uh, one of the ladies who formed the Centennial Park Action Committee, whose purpose is to overturn the Reynolds decision and decriminalize polygamy. Marlene Hammond, welcome to the program. Thank you. Appreciate, Thank you for having us. Appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, Priscilla Hammond, I believe, is Marlene's sister. Uh, was born in 1953, while the families were still separated following the raid on Short Creek. And uh, she uh, desired to raise her own family in the richness of culture, as she describes it, that surrounds her. She's also a member of the Centennial Park Action Committee. Priscilla Hammond, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Honored to be here. We uh, are also joined by Connor Jones. He's 19 years old. He was raised in a plural family until he was 10, he says. And at that point, he uh, went and lived on his father's fa- farm with his birth mother, several siblings, and upon graduating from high school, moved back to Centennial Park, where he uh, served a two-year work mission. Currently works at the Masada Charter School in Centennial Park. Connor Jones, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. And uh, Marlene Thompson uh, joins us. She uh, says she grew up in an independent polygamous group in Salt Lake City, believed in plural marriage all of her life, 
uh, came from a very diverse family. Many of the family did not choose to live uh, polygamy, but uh, she and her husband uh, believed that's what made uh, them happiest, feel most fulfilled in their lives, and they moved to Centennial Park. Thank you for joining us, uh, Marlene Thompson. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, let me start with, with you, uh, Marlene Hammond, um, just for to people to, to sort of situate your, your community. Maybe you could uh, give us a little bit of a history of, of the community. I believe uh, the Centennial Park community split off from uh, FLDS in the 1980s. Uh, well, I, I would like to correct that right here and now. We never have been part of FLDS. We were, um, for many years, a part of the same group of people in Colorado City, and there was a split because of... Um, politics and people wanted to get assets and control of things there and they tried, decided to change some of the things that we had believed and we were not willing to give up our beliefs and so we moved because they, the people there actually got control of the assets in the community so we moved out and after that is when they became the FLDS so we've never been a part of the FLDS. I see, I see it's, it's the group that became the FLDS. Um, right. Um, so uh, at that point, 1980s, uh, your community moved some three miles to the south? Is that the case? Correct. We, um, for many years, we've been able to live right there in the community and establish homes for our families, but at that point, we were not able to do so. So we purchased property um, where we could get it, and this is where we ended up. So we're just down the road, and we're here um, building our own community and expanding, and our families are growing here. Some uh, 1,500 people? Uh, approximately, mm-hmm. approximately. Yeah, so uh, you know, a, a small but uh, but good sized uh, community, um, and it it seems like that your community is reaching out. You're, you've agreed to, to participate in the Polygamy USA. You're on the ABC special. Um, mm-hmm. Went recorded at StoryCorps. Seems like you want to get your your position out there. Oh, absolutely. Um, with all the different lifestyles and other things that are accepted in our society and the world today, it doesn't make any sense for us to not have the same rights as everyone else. And so uh, we feel it's important for us to define ourselves and help people to see who we are. Um, many of the problems over the years is because people have not been able to um, understand polygamy and how it works for many people. And so we wanted to define ourselves and have people um, educated about us to see that we're not a threat and that we at some point need to have the laws changed so we can have the same rights to choose our lives as anyone else does. Priscilla Hammond, uh, I wonder if you could talk about that in your bio that you sent, brief bio that everybody sent me, uh, you talk about the richness of the culture that surrounds you and that you want to raise your family in that. Maybe talk, uh, talk about the richness of the culture. Oh, absolutely. Uh, when I was growing up in Colorado City, before there was a, any kind of a split or division among the people, it was a very rich environment for young people to be raised in. We had a community that was hardworking and, and working together, pulling together to reestablish the community after it had been torn apart during the raid of 1953. And so they came back together, and one of the first things that was established was that they would make, they would build a school for our young people to be educated, because up to that point they had had to be bused to hurricane, and the persecution was, you know, rather harsh at that time following the 53 raid. And so a school was built there. One of the first things that was accomplished, we built near Colorado City Academy. It was opened in 1960 where the high school students could go and get it, be educated and continue their education after grade school. And so that was a point in my life when I was very young and watching that school be built was fabulous. But my mother 
after being taken out in 1953, was not able to return to the community for over 10 years. So it was a long period of time in my life that, that we longed to be home. So by the time I was eight years old, we were finally able to be reunited with our family in Colorado City at that time. And growing up, there was, there was just a lot of good times for us. I was able to mingle with the siblings that were my same age in my family. There were a brother and a sister my same age and many, many other siblings, and we had so many good times. And we, we worked together and we played together, and the community provided dances and, social, and different, different social activities like fair time and Fourth of July celebrations and all of those things. But part of the richness of the culture was the fact that I had multiple mothers. And so growing up, I, I knew exactly where to go for any problem that arose in my life. I could reach out to an individual mother that I knew was capable of helping me with that problem. And so to have multiple brothers and sisters be a support system to me and have multiple mothers that I could reach out to has absolutely made me into the person I am today. I, I would have never been the same if I had been raised by just one single mother. And having other people, my school teachers and friends and family all over the community that were interested in my welfare as a child and through my growing up years. They, they were just as interested in my welfare as my parents were. And so really it was a huge community of faith and we felt like we were all one large family. So our, our lifestyle has many positive aspects, but above all the support system is wonderful that we, we grew up with. And so that's why I wanted to raise my children the same. We're uh, talking, if you just joined us, we're talking with members of the uh, Centennial Park uh, community. It's a polygamous community. Uh, it's near the Arizona-Utah border, near Colorado City, uh, some uh, three miles south. Uh, this group is not a part of the FLDS uh, group. Um, and, and before we go to our other two guests, I want to come back to, uh, to Marlene Hammond. Uh, I'm guessing one of the reasons that uh, your community is reaching out uh, to the media, uh, you'd like to dispel some... Uh, misconceptions, I'm sure as you see it, uh, a couple of those that are, I'm sure, are on people's minds. D does your mm -hmm. community practice underage marriage? No, we do not. Um, we feel that, uh, that um, people need to be of an age of, uh, to be able to understand and make those decisions in an adult manner. So we do, we like to have our children finish their high school, get their education at least that far. Many times um, people go on with their education, and we are very focused on that. A lot of our young people go on to college and universities, but um, we do not. We do not have forced marriages. We do not agree with underage marriages, and we feel like people need to have um, some experience in their life enough to make those decisions for themselves when they come to that point in their lives. And another um, problem, as people see it, with some polygamous groups, is a drain on the government welfare system. Well, we do not believe in that either. Um, actually, if you do much study of the polygamous culture and the people, the, the pioneers that came, you find out that they're try, they try to be self-supporting, self-sustaining, and many of the polygamous people through the ages have actually built um, great cities here in the western United States, and that's, that's our culture, and we were taught, we've been taught to try to sustain ourselves, support ourselves, so... Um, it's interesting because at the 1953 raid, none of our families at that point had been on welfare, and at that point we were forced to be on. And when we were able to get back in our families and with our homes in our together, we we do not do that. Now I understand there are people in in life that have difficulties, and maybe they can do apply where they are 
where that can be justified, but that is not our approach to things. We pay our taxes. We try to be responsible for our families and, and raise them in a responsible manner. We do not um, expect the rest of society to pay for our families. We're hardworking um, in, a, in a family where you have multiple adults. We have people, many adults in the families um, have careers. They go out and have jobs where we support our own families. And so we do not depend on the government to pay for our food and our welfare like um, many people think that the polygamists do. Hmm. Um, for one thing, um, with the academy, when we built the academy for our, our high school, our students over the years, have, we go out and earn tuition, so we pay for our own education. Um, that school's been in, in, in session since 1960, and we've never taken any government assistance on that. We try to support our own and not depend on the rest of society to provide for our families. Who just joined us, we're talking with members of the Centennial Park community, it's a polygamous community in, uh, in uh, northern Arizona. Uh, and uh, you're welcome to uh, join the conversation with your question or comment, uh, your chance to talk with members of a polygamous uh, group practicing a uh, polygamous lifestyle. Uh, a, a fairly unusual opportunity. 1-800-826-1495 is the number. Love to have your call. 1-800-826-1495. Or you can reach us by email at upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com. I'd like to turn next uh, to uh, Connor Jones. Uh, you're 19 years old. You say you were raised in a plural family until you were 10. And uh, I take it from your bio that uh, that point when you went to live on your father's farm, your your father was 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 not living polygamy. He absolutely was. Oh, he was. Uh, there okay. Were, yeah, uh, there were certain mitigating circumstances that required me to be in the state that the farm was in, and so legally, the charter school we have here does not accept out of state tuition, and technically, I'm a resident of Nevada, and so legally, I could not be here, and so just for strictly legal purposes, he asked my mother and some of my siblings to go out to his farm and attend school over in Nevada so we could, you know, be a little more law-abiding hmm. because it just wasn't working here. Yeah. Um, when, I was 70, or when I was 17 years old and I graduated, I returned to Centennial Park and served a two-year work commission. Uh, so and I take it uh, most young men are called to serve these kinds of missions. Is that true? It's entirely up to them. Okay. It is, it is not mandatory in the least. Um, if you even want to, are, are you current with the show at all? What's that? Are you current with Polygamy USA at all? Uh, I've just uh, read about a couple of episodes, not not totally up to date on it. Um, in it, they have this mysterious council of the brethren. And if you even want to go on a mission, you actually have to set up a meeting, and it's entirely up to you whether you want to do it or not. Mm, okay. Uh, I want to ask you, and you're you're not married yet. I'm not, no. Yes. Uh, so be looking forward to that time, I assume. Um, very possibly. Yeah, uh, and and so I'm I'm sure you're familiar with uh, the 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 episode or episodes on Polygamy USA. This interested me greatly. Um, Hiram Burton and uh, Kelly, and um, it, it, we learned about placement marriage. Uh, okay. I wonder if you could tell us tell us about that. It apparently, if if it's true on Polygamy USA, the the woman chooses and I guess goes to the council, and uh, it's it's the man who sort of has to prove himself. Um, in our culture, I'm not sure I quite agree. We believe that before we came to this earth, our spirits made covenants one with another, 
that we would marry this or that person, even they come for their parents. Um, we believe that when I was a spirit in the spirit world, I made covenants with my father that I would come and I would be sired by him. And I made covenants with my mother and with my family. We believe that we all did this beforehand. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, No, go ahead. Um, Yes, so we believe that we made covenants with those who we were going to marry before we actually came here. So we believe that to a certain extent, we actually need divine inspiration. We need revelation to find who we're supposed to marry. This happens in a number of ways. Sometimes the young ladies, they have have inspiration. Apparently, you can do that by going to baseball games. Turns out cool. Was yeah, that I was that in the episode? Is that <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they do it in football, basketball. I, mm-hmm. That's interesting. It really is. Um, another huge component of it, though, is they will pray about it. They will think of a name. They will present it before this, the council, before these brethren. And they will pray with us. And if it feels right to them, if they feel that it is God's will, then they will come back to the young lady and they will say, they'll give them an affirmative that, yes, I believe this is what it's supposed to happen. But the girl's supposed to pray about it, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but but it sounds like it is the the woman that goes to the council, and and just and, and the polygamy USA points this out. I didn't want to run this past you. I I, I could imagine myself. I'm growing up in this community. Just mathematically speaking, there might be some some men left out if 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 most men have more than one wife. If if you have sort of equal birth rates, is is that a concern? It really isn't. Honestly, uh, just how the numbers work out, it's just not an issue. And honestly, um, I could go before the brethren, and I could say, I believe I'm supposed to marry this young lady. And we absolutely do believe in personal revelation. Once I actually thought I knew the girl I was supposed to marry, and I got on my knees and I asked my father, and I said, Father, thy will be done, but is this the one I'm supposed to spend my life with, the one I'm supposed to be sealed to for all eternity? And I was overcome with this fabulous, sensation of just utter calmness, of utter peace. And he just said, no, my child. Four or five months later, she was married. And I was absolutely fabulous with that, even though I was rather infatuated with this young lady at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you look forward to, and I, I assume that you will live polygamous lifestyle, take more than one wife? Oh, I'm sorry, was that a question? Yes, to, uh, to you. you you're, you're assuming that you'll marry more than one wife? Yes. Ideally, for a number of reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and what 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 are those reasons? Um, the first one is almost a purely social thing. I grew up in the system, and I've seen the fabulous virtues of it. I've I've, I've seen some cases where it hasn't worked, but I've seen in so many where it has. Um, two situations that come to mind is I have a brother-in-law who, when he was a child, he was two or three years old, his mother died of cancer. But fortunately, he had two or three other mothers that cared for him and loved him, and he was not deficient in his child in any way, in his childhood in any way. He was cared for, he was loved for, and he was given everything he could possibly need. In my own life, it's kind of interesting. Like right now, I'm a little sick. A few weeks ago, I was feeling a little ill, and I texted one mother, and I said, I asked for Tylenol or something. And within four or five minutes, I had six or seven ladies asking me if I needed help. And it was it's just absolutely fed the system. Hmm. Um, on the religious side, we believe... It's interesting to me. I don't, I don't know why. Um, the entire Christian world wants to go and rest in the bosom of Abraham. And it's always been it's always been an interesting because they say that, but then they hate polygamists. But if you go read the scripture, Abraham was a polygamist, and it was condoned by God. And I don't know, it's always been interesting to me. 
Hmm. Um, we believe that Joseph Smith, the prophet, when he um, organized the Mormon Church, the Church of Latter-day Saints, he instituted plural marriage. And if you go and read, it's entirely consistent with all of the early leaders of the Church. I read just the other day, Christie Kimball saying, even if the Twelve go against this, even if the President of the Church go against this, it will make them damned because it is an eternal principle. And so we kind of believe that in order to obtain a fullness of our exaltation, we have to enter into this plural marriage covenant all here on this earth. If you just joined us, we're talking about uh, plural marriage, polygamy, on uh, uh, Utah Public Radio, Access Utah Today. Uh, of course, we often have occasion to talk about polygamy. It's more unusual to be able to talk to the people who actually practice it, and we have that chance today talking with members of the Centennial Park community, which is near the Arizona-Utah border. It's about three miles south of Colorado City. Uh, and uh, we're talking with uh, Marlene Hammond, Priscilla Hammond, Connor Jones. You just heard from him right there, and we're following a break. We're going to be talking with Marlene Thompson. Uh, very interesting. Marlene Thompson uh, says that she's uh, focusing a lot of time on her career and uh, that uh, the polygamous lifestyle helps her and her sister-wife get uh, some benefits they can help each other. Uh, she believes that this uh, will make her the happiest, feel most fulfilled in her life. Uh, we'll be talking with Marlene Thompson and more with uh, Connor Jones and Marlene Hammond and Priscilla Hammond from Centennial Park Community. Uh, if you'd like to join this conversation with uh, your question or comment, you're certainly welcome. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. One question we're going to throw out to you, we'll certainly be asking this of our guests uh, should the laws outlawing polygamy per se be changed? I think that's a uh, question. Of course, I think most people can agree that any abuses in polygamous communities, like underage marriages and, and the like, should be outlawed and prosecuted. But I think public opinion is more mixed on the actual question of polygamy. We'll throw that out to you. 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. Back after the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Mountain West Bank, a community bank offering a variety of services and summer loan options for consumers. At 110 South in Brigham City, information is at mountainwestbank.com. It's a division of Glacier Bank. Waste not. Do not overwater your grass. If the grass bounces back a few steps later, then things are just fine. If your footprints stay halfway or all the way down, then it's time to drag out the hose. Though we suggest checking to see if rain is in the forecast first. Waste not is made possible by the Logan City Public Works Water Conservation Department. Information at loganutah.org slash publicworks. Last week on Car Talk, you missed a brilliant demonstration of first-rate diagnostic skill. Because I think what may be happening is, is no, this sounds, this is <laughs> How do you let me do stuff like this? Well, you just sit there. I tried to bail you out by saying It's like playing hangman. <laughs> I feel the noose tightening around my neck and you're not doing anything. For more clear and concise car advice, join us this week for Car Talk. Saturday mornings at 10 on Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We have the unusual opportunity today to talk with uh, people who are practicing polygamy. As I was saying before, we often talk about polygamy, often uh, abuses in other communities. Uh, but today we get the opportunity to talk directly about polygamy. 
since the Centennial Park community, according to their members, uh, do not uh, sanction underage marriages. They do not do forced marriages. And uh, I believe, uh, Marlene Thompson, uh, th- that you can join the group at will, and uh, you probably could leave the group at will with no repercussions. Yes, that's true. Um, there was no uh, requirements or anything like that as far as whether uh, for us to come in or anything like that. Um, you know, that we're, it was of our own free will and choice. And if I chose to move back to Salt Lake today, I could go and take my family with me. So uh, this gives an opportunity to sort of uh, to, to focus directly on polygamy, per se. And later on in the program, we're talking about whether or not polygamy uh, should be decriminalized. Uh, of course, law enforcement officers uh, tell us that they're focusing on abuses and uh, prosecuting abuses in polygamous communities. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they won't necessarily go after you, but I'm sure that, that, that remains a worry. Uh, but first, uh, Marlene Thompson, this is interesting to me. You grew up in an independent polygamous uh, group in Salt Lake City. You say mm-hmm. you believed in plural marriage uh, all of your life. Uh, this, is, this is a religious belief, is it? Yes, it is. And so you believe that you should be living polygamy to, to fulfill your, your religious belief. Uh, so then uh, how did it come that you, because you found your husband and together you decided to, to together to go to Centennial Park? Uh, him and I were really good friends um, growing up. We, um, I mean, we were probably best friends for uh, a couple of years before we ever even started dating. And so we kind of, um, we knew that about each other before uh, we were ever romantically involved. Um, you know, so those were conversations that we had. And if if he didn't want to live this way, then I would not have pursued that relationship and vice versa. Uh, this was something that was very important to me my whole life and something that's always been very important to him. And so uh, knowing that uh, as friends, um, you know, we kind of proceeded forward that way. And and so even though, you know, when him and I got married, it was just him and I, we always knew that, that it wouldn't always be that way, and that neither one of us wanted it to always be that way. We had hoped that uh, we would be able to uh, get into the principle of thorough marriage before our kids got too old, because we appreciate the values that uh, having a plural life gives to our children, and we wanted them to be able to experience that. What What are the advantages to the children of a plural life? Uh, children in a plural life have uh, multiple adults in their life to meet their needs. So um, it kind of depends on what stage the your child is at as far as how that's an advantage for them. Um, but there, a lot of different people in the home brings a lot of different minds to the table. And when, when everybody is is focused on bettering and bringing up your family uh, in love then then you get um, you just get a lot of different uh, points of view and perspective and uh, you know take a teenager for example um, a teenager is probably going to clash with one or all parents at some time or another uh, you know as they're figuring out their own life and so sometimes just having a little bit uh, more heads in the family um, helps to, for that teenager to find somebody that they can relate with, somebody that they can talk to, somebody that can help them on in life. And, you know, for me and my family, our oldest is 10 right now. And so, you know, we're not dealing with that yet necessarily, but uh, there's a lot of things that we, we do deal with. Um, you know, I, I work, my husband works, and my sister wife is going to school. And uh, so with all the things that the adults have going on in the home, we will all want to be able to support each other in, in making sure that we can all have the, the education, the career, and, and those those 
uh, things met. And so we all work together. Um, you know, I make sure that I'm, I'm home and available for my sister wife when she needs to go to school. Um, you know, so we, we kind of work together to support each other and, and make sure that our kids still have a loving home environment uh, to meet their needs. Now, some people uh, believe, and I don't know if you've run across uh, any of these people, uh, some people, I think, would, would, would express their belief that um, even without underage marriages and, and forced marriages and the like, that polygamy is inherently oppressive to women. What would you say? I would strongly disagree. Um, I think anybody with that opinion has obviously never lived it. Most people uh, would would think that a man would just be in this for, for the sex or for the enjoyment of multiple women. And um, anybody that has even just one wife would have to honestly look at their relationship and have to say that's just not the case. Mm. Men just don't get married for that reason. There's cheaper and easier ways. Um, you know, the the men in our homes are... I mean, I look to my husband to be a, a provider, a strong head of our household, and, a, and um, if he's not providing for our family uh, spiritually, uh, monetarily, and, uh, you know, making sure that everybody in our home, it, you know, he's doing the best to make sure that everybody is happy, my, my kids, my sister wife, myself, uh, and him. Uh, there, there's so many more things that, um, that this is about than that. And uh, to say that this is oppressive is uh, just an uneducated statement. Um, Because I am freed up to do so many more things than if I were to be a single mother or even just a a monogamous wife. Hmm. Because I have uh, more of a support system than most women do. I wonder, just from curiosity's sake, sociological point of view, um, one man, one wife... Sometimes you have to work really hard to, uh, you know, to not have conflicts, to work through things. Mm-hmm. And um, I could just imagine that might get a little more complicated if you have a man and several wives. Uh, you have to work harder at that to, to work out from that point of view? Um, yeah, I think that uh, there's, there's just a different dynamic, you know. Um, I, I mean, going through both of those uh, scenario in my own scenarios in my own life um there was uh different bumps in the road when it was just isaiah and i married and then there's uh, been different bumps in the road after uh, my sister wife came into the family and and so i think it just is a um it's it's just a, a different complication and it really depends on the people involved in the relationship on whether they are willing to put their hearts in it and and work things out um all of us are very committed to our relationship and and we all have a lot of this similar beliefs and and so we kind of have something to fall back on and and say okay this is how this is what we all agreed to in the beginning this is how we want our family run and and we can all go back to those core beliefs and build on that and and I don't know uh, how every other family is, um, but as far as mine goes, I don't really look at the problems um, or complications that might arise from any relationship as any harder this way than it would be in a monogamous relationship because complications arise either way. Mm. And you're you're saying in your in your biography that you sent us that uh, this sort of life, uh, mm-hmm. you can focus on your career. Your sister wife can focus on college. You can help each other. And so there's an advantage, I suppose, of... There is absolutely an an advantage. I mean, how many women out there 
uh, today are, are trying to do all these things um, after they've had kids, whether they're single or, or whether they are married. Um, it, it's hard to be able to, to go out there and to do that. And in uh, my lifestyle, I have so much more support for that. Uh, it, it's it's really hard for a mom to leave her kids. Most women want to be uh, Wonder Women. You know, they want to be able to be the perfect home mom, and they uh, they want to be there for their kids and create a good environment at home. And it's not easy in today's world. You have to have two working adults for most families, and so uh, most kids don't have a parent at home. We're talking with members of the. Oh, excuse me. Go ahead. I was just going to say, in in our in my life, in our lifestyle, we have a parent at home. There's one of us home usually all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking with members of the Centennial Park uh, community. Uh, it's near the Arizona-Utah border. Uh, they came out of uh, the, the, the people, Colorado City, uh, who then, the people who stayed, turned into the FLDS. It wasn't the FLDS at the time. Uh, there was a separation in the 1980s. Uh, those who are part of the Centennial Park community uh, moved uh, three miles south to Centennial Park. Today there's some 1,500 people. And uh, they practice polygamy uh, as uh, part of religious belief, and they're being featured on the National Geographic Channel's Polygamy USA series, an episode airs tonight, by the way. They recently recorded their stories when UPR hosted uh, StoryCorps in St. George. You could listen for those Utah StoryCorps episodes Thursdays and Fridays starting in uh, July. Just before we take a break, I want to turn back to Marlene Hammond. Uh, this uh, central question, which I'm sure is on your minds, I know it is because you're part of Centennial Park Action Committee, and that is whether or not polygamy, per se, should be decriminalized. And I know you have strong feelings about that. I wonder if you could uh, you talk about the reasons you believe it should be decriminalized. Absolutely, we agree that they should be decriminalized. Um, the laws against polygamy are outdated, they're antiquated, and you look at society today and uh, every other family structure pretty much has the rights to make those choices, and they are not made felons for those choices. Um, so for us to be able to have that advantage to make those choices for ourselves, we need to have those laws removed. And where people are not being abused in plural families, I don't see any reason for it to, to have those laws against us. Now, there are laws to address abuse, and uh, the things that people claim are problems with inherent in polygamy, which absolutely are not any more than in any other uh, social group, any other setting. So if there are problems, it is a human problem. It is not because of plural marriage. So we feel very strongly that we should have the rights to make those choices for ourselves and for our families, the same as any other people. Now, of course, uh, the time of the Reynolds decision, uh, there was a very different time in America. And it it was the time when, uh, you know, a lot of people were holding up this idea of the twin relics of barbarism were slavery and, and polygamy. But uh, I don't know, the country has moved on, and, and people I talked to are kind of kind of had mixed opinions. I've talked to attorneys general in Arizona and Utah. This you know it's been a year or two who say they're, we're not going to prosecute polygamy per se; we will just prosecute abuses. Uh-huh. D- d- does that reassure you? you t- I guess you still w- would not be totally reassured until and, and polygamy <laughs> per se is is uh, is decriminalized. That you're absolutely right there. Um, People in political office will change, and you don't have that guarantee. The only way we are going to be guaranteed is if the law changes. Um, So it is very important for us to have that happen. In the meantime, we have, in our experience, is because this is our strong belief that we need to live, that is our right to live this way, it's our religious belief, 
um, in order to do that, we've had to commit civil disobedience. And that it, in many ways it's caused us to become isolated in order to protect our families and these things that we value. And we feel like it's important to be able to come and stand in the daylight like anyone else and not have to be in an isolated situation because, as anyone knows, that can be a, a grounds of isolated condition where people can do things that are not right, and we don't want that. Hmm. We don't want abuses in our society. We want to be uh, able to live with the same rights as anyone else and have our families grow up strong and well and be good citizens in our, in our nation. So we need those same rights. We are going to take a brief break. We'll come back and talk with uh, the final segment with members of the Centennial uh, Park uh, community. Uh, they are a polygamous group, and they're being featured on a uh, National Geographic Channel series called Polygamy USA. They've been featured on uh, other reports, they're trying to get their word out to dispel some misconceptions, and uh, so this uh, gives us an opportunity, uh, unusual opportunity to talk with people who are actually practicing uh, polygamy. Uh, the number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. We're talking with Marlene Hammond, Priscilla Hammond, Connor Jones, and Marlene Thompson, uh, and more following the break. Waste not. Do not overwater your grass. If the grass bounces back a few steps later, then things are just fine. If your footprints stay halfway or all the way down, then it's time to drag out the hose, though we suggest checking to see if rain is in the forecast first. Waste Not is made possible by the Logan City Public Works Water Conservation Department. Information at loganutah.org slash publicworks. This is folk singer Michael Jonathan inviting you to the next Wood Songs broadcast. It's all about using music in your community. We have Ken Waldman from Alaska, the great songwriter Cy Khan, and Grammy Award winner Tom Chapin. If it's the last trip home, this could be the last trip home. It's music and conversation on the next broadcast of the Wood Songs, Old Time Radio. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and today we're talking with members of the Centennial Park community. It's a polygamous community. It's near the Arizona-Utah border, about three miles south of Colorado City. And uh, this community does not practice underage or forced marriages. Uh, it is separate from the FLDS uh, community, and uh, they are reaching out to try to dispel some misconceptions. So this gives us an opportunity to talk with people who are actually practicing polygamy. They're being featured on National Geographic Channel's Polygamy USA series. One of those episodes airs tonight, by the way. And recently recorded their stories, some of them at the StoryCorps booth in St. George when UPR was hosting the StoryCorps series in May. And you'll be hearing Utah StoryCorps episodes all through the coming year, uh, July uh, through June of next year. That starts uh, in July on UPR, Thursdays and Fridays. We're talking with Marlene Hammond, Priscilla Hammond, Connor Jones, and Marlene Thompson from the Centennial Park community. You're welcome to join this conversation at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or you can uh, give us an email at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Uh, so let me turn next uh, uh, to... Um, Priscilla Hammond, and uh, ask you uh, the the aftermath of Short Creek. I, I know was uh, 
very influential. And after Short Creek, uh, authorities kind of backed off because there was a there was a backlash. I'm sure the reverberations of Short Creek uh, still run through your community. I'm sorry to your question. Uh, so, so the the reverberations from Short Creek, the the, the fear of uh, prosecution, fear of uh, persecution, even uh, is still maybe in your minds, even in today's climate. I think that once a child or, or any or an adult goes through those kind of experiences, that that has an effect on the, the community for years and years to come. So even though I wasn't born at the time of the 1953 raid, I was raised knowing that I had to keep my family business very quiet. So growing up, I wasn't able to call my, my own father, Daddy. I referred to him as Uncle Edson. And, of course, I never was able to reveal to people outside of our culture that I had more than one mother, and all of those things had a great impact. And as far as persecution, of course, we lived with the fear of that for years, knowing that if it happened once, it could happen again, which was very obvious during the time of the Texas raid recently in this decade. And so that will have an impact as well on the lives of those people involved in that raid for for generations. It just will. That's how history is. It has an impact on those who follow after it. Uh, we still do get some minor persecution. I wouldn't. I, I don't call it persecution because it's nothing compared to what my mothers went through during the '53 raid. But there's still a lot of prejudice in the surrounding communities towards the polygamous culture, and so oftentimes, if you if we go into surrounding communities, we will be mocked or ridiculed, which to me is is minor. It's it's not much of a sacrifice in comparison to the benefits of the, the lifestyle brings to me. But as like Marlene said. Uh, in political office, those those people will change oftentimes, and we never know when one will come into office who might be very determined to lock up all of the polygamists again. Mm. So there is always a constant fear, but we don't let that rule our lives. We have very fulfilled and full lives here, and we're very busy raising our large families and building a community, and so we don't live with that hanging over our heads continually. But we do know that it's a really... Uh, reality in our lives that it could happen. We have a caller on the line. We have an email as well, and you, you're welcome to join the conversation by those two methods, uh, one of those two methods as well. 1-800-826-1495 is the number, uh, an unusual opportunity to speak with uh, people who are actually practicing polygamy. We have members of Centennial Park uh, community on with us. 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. Bettina in Springdale uh, is our caller. Go ahead. Okay, thanks. Um, my great-great-grandfather was a polygamist up in central Utah. Um, he came from Denmark, and over the period of time, he married four wives. One divorced him, but the rest stuck it out. Um, what I'm calling about is the genetic, the gene pool, and uh, how it... Um, Utah is called the beehive state, but... A beehive is run by a queen bee, and she has drones, and it strengthens the uh, gene pool. All the worker bees are female. Um, So, and scientific studies have shown that it's better for a woman to have multiple husbands that uh, sire her children rather than having one husband continually put his uh, genetics into the, the same gene pool. And so I, I just wanted to kind of comment about that and see if there's any uh, feedback. Uh, th- thanks, Bettina. Uh, any reaction? Any of our guests jump in? Um, I'm 
I'm at a loss because I haven't ever heard of such a multiple uh, scientific study that multiple husbands is better for a for a family uh, in the gene pool. It's for strengthening the gene pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple husbands husband. with one woman. Uh, yes, one multiple husbands siring the children rather than one husband siring all the children. Well, that's foreign to me. Um, that's that's not my understanding, but. Um, when in our families, I, um, I don't feel like that we have experienced that problem so much that um, we have so many people that are so closely related that you have a lot of problems. Maybe some people do. Um, I haven't experienced that in my life, and I think that that's one we one thing that we we try to watch for and be careful that that doesn't happen because definitely we want people. Um, families that are grown healthy and have the advantages of anyone else, and so. Yes, you do have to be careful of that anywhere you are. So I don't, that's not really an issue, I don't think, with us. I am uh, support communal living and um, sharing in that way, but I just think when it comes to strengthening the gene pool, it's um, probably to follow the, more of the scientific um, path. Well, thanks, Bettina. Um, Appreciate that. Well, I, I want to get to our email, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll close this topic. Appreciate your call. Uh, this is what Carla, Carla emails us with this uh, comment. Uh, she says, I appreciate guests sharing their view of polygamy today. What they're saying is completely different from the information and facts most of us have learned from the FLDS Church's practice, which seems to exploit women and children and to treat them as property. Kudos to them for creating loving families and for working hard to support them. I agree that plural marriage among consenting adults, she capitalizes adults, should be decriminalized, and that these families should live legally with the same rights as other citizens. One comment regarding the reasons for having many mothers, that there are more women available to help a child in the event their birth mother is unable to. What about the loss on uh, the other side of the parental coin? Many children have absent fathers or fathers who have died of disease. Let's remember that the extended family and monogamous family groups also step up to help fill that void. There are very many ways to, uh, quote, have more heads, end quote, in the family to lovingly support children. I am glad that this is working for you, but it also works in many other family configurations as well. God bless us all as we lovingly grow our children and grandchildren. That's Carla's uh, comment. I wonder if any of our guests have a uh, a response uh, to that. One of her points, I think it's a valid point, that uh, some of these advantages can be found in extended monogamous families as well. We absolutely see that all around us in the world around us and in our own community. One of the things that might be interesting to to note is that not every household in Centennial Park is a plural family. And, in fact, many of our young married families are are just living monogamous marriages at this time. Not that they might not, they may look forward in the future to becoming polygamous, but at this time in Centennial Park, there's a, a large percentage of the people who are still just practicing monogamous. And so it's interesting to know that in our society, we uh, one of the differences is that we refer to a single mother in our society as that poor uh, single wife that does not yet have a sister wife to help her and support her family, mm. uh, even though she has a husband. And so uh, there, there are some differences, but we do know that other families out there and the outside world around us can have support systems as well. And we appreciate her, this lady's comments very much. That was kind of her to know that. Thank you. Uh, the the number to call, and we just have uh, just a few minutes left in the program, 1-800-826-1495, or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com. And we have a question from Bobby, uh, who emails us. This is directed to Mrs. Hammond. 
Um, she says, I have been watching Polygamy USA and have been watching as your son Ezra has been, quote-unquote, bucking the system by choosing his own wife. How do you feel as he strives to work on making his relationship work and going by what the priesthood brethren are asking of him? And are you supporting him in this? I have noticed that your husband is not too keen in supporting this. Um, any parent will find that you have these issues to deal with in your life. And, and we want our children to grow to be uh, substantial people and have the strength and the support in they, that they need in their life. So we understand he needs to get skills. If he chooses another lifestyle than ours, we want him to make the best life that he can. And so, of course, we have the values that we do and that they work well for us. If he chooses something different, God bless him in whatever he does. We love our children. And we have had other children that have gone out and married out into the world. We support them. We love them. We want them to have the very best life that they can. Of course, we have our own feelings about that, but we love them. So uh, does that answer your question? Yes, I, I believe so. Uh, next question for, for Connor Jones. Um, I wonder with, with, you know, you, I think your group is, is seeking out some, some publicity, to, uh, probably to, to dispel some misconceptions. Um, in your view, has uh, have you been portrayed accurately, specifically on Polygamy USA or some of the other uh, media outlets? I think that largely those are many cultures within a culture. And then they put a very heavy focus upon the subject of getting inspiration for a husband rather than the actual lifestyle or the actual community or how the community operates or the actual, you know, the religion or the scriptural belief. They just kind of focus on what would appeal to a mass region of people. They're just going for ratings, and I think they've done pretty well based on Twitter. But who knows? So uh, on the whole, this is a positive thing, do you think, or negative? Um. I think it's mixed. Mm-hmm. I think there are parts of it which are absolutely fabulous. I think sometimes some people say things and I just sort of cover my eyes, laugh really hard, check out Twitter and laugh harder. But mm-hmm. I think parts of it are great. Hmm. Uh, Marlene Thompson, I wonder, uh, I think people will be wondering how the Centennial Park group views other polygamous groups, especially the FLDS, and, and whether you think FLDS is giving all of polygamous groups a, a black eye. You grew up in an independent group in Salt Lake City. You mean how do all uh, polygamous uh, groups feel uh, about the FLDS? Uh, well, specifically Centennial Park, your group. I think uh, there's a certain amount of um, compassion felt for the people over there just because we are three miles down the road, and so we've had um, some interactions with them. And, um, I mean, as far as the people I have met over there, I haven't really met anybody that I would, you know, peg them to be an abuser or anything like that. And so I think there are still kind people over there. And so if they really were um, abused by uh, Warren Jeffs or their leader or, or led to uh, do some horrible things, I feel awful for them. And, um, you know, so in general, I guess uh, we would probably feel that um, it's frustrating that we get looped in uh, with some of the abuses that were um, that were so horrific and, and and that's really frustrating. But at the same time, uh, our feelings toward the uh, people of the FLDS, um, at least mine, would probably be compassion because I don't believe that they all um, they all knew what was going on. Or um, and maybe I just I think people in general are just good people. Everybody's striving to be somebody good, and so I just don't believe that a whole group like that could uh, um, go on with that if they all knew about it. 
Uh, and so I think some of them may have just been uh, misguided and misled, and I feel sorry for them. We just have a couple minutes left. Uh, Marlene Hammond, I uh, just want to give you a chance to um, address any misconceptions you feel are out there about polygamy, polygamous groups as a whole, and your group in specific. Well, I, I think that people are so concerned that they think that polygamy is inherently abusive, and it is not. If they will look at us and give us a fair chance and be open-minded to see, they will understand that we are no more abusive than any other society. We can raise honorable people. We want to be patriotic in our country. We want to be able to, to experience the same rights as anyone else. We are not a threat to society. We can be a support if people will be open and let us have the same rights. And if people want to find out, you can uh, you can Google up uh, Centennial Park Action Committee. It's uh, the committee that's uh, trying to overturn Reynolds' decision to criminalize polygamy. It's part of the Centennial Park community. A lot of information out there on Centennial Park community. Uh, National Geographic's channel's uh, Polygamy USA series is uh, airing. An episode airs tonight, and you'll be able to hear a couple of episodes of uh, StoryCorps, uh, the Utah version, uh, which feature members of the Centennial Park uh, community. And, uh, by the way, those uh, episodes in general start in July and will run for a year. They'll air on Thursdays and Fridays. On Access Utah Today, we've been talking with Marlene Hammond, Priscilla Hammond, Connor Jones, and Marlene Thompson from Centennial Park. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we will continue our discussion of polygamy tomorrow uh, in a two-part series. We're going to go back to the beginnings, at least for polygamy as it's practiced in America, Historian Marina Smith will be with us to talk about her book, Revelation, Resistance, and Mormon Polygamy, the Introduction and Implementation of the Principle, 1830-1853. to uh, Join us tomorrow. And for producers uh, Haley Housley and uh, Addison Pace, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening today. The Be Well Moment is made possible by the USU Department of Human Resources Wellness Program at usu.edu hr. Sticking to a regular exercise schedule isn't easy. After all, there are plenty of potential hindrances, time, boredom, injuries, and self-confidence. But these issues don't need to stand in your way. Consider practical strategies for overcoming common barriers to fitness. Squeeze in short walks throughout the day. If you don't have time for a full workout, don't sweat it. Shorter spurts of exercise, such as 10 minutes of walking spaced throughout the day, offer benefits too. Choose activities you enjoy. You'll be more likely to stay interested. Remember, anything that gets you moving counts. Exercise with friends, relatives, neighbors, or coworkers. You'll enjoy the camaraderie and the encouragement of the group. Schedule exercise as you would schedule an important appointment. Block off times for physical activity and make sure your friends and family are aware of your commitment. Whatever you decide to do, stick with it and remember why you're doing it. Your heart will thank you. This is Dana for the Be Well program at Utah State University. Be well, Utah. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSUFM HD1 91.5 Logan.